Thank you for listening to the Coal Mine Podcast. This is David Cole from Dallas, Texas, and it's August 9th, 2020. Today, I focus on the COVID-19 pandemic, and in particular, a sentence that we've all seen in our social media feeds and maybe even written. I have the right to decide whether or not to wear a mask. True. But with that right comes corresponding responsibilities. And today I'm going to explore what those responsibilities are and how our individual thinking about wearing a mask in response to the pandemic fits into the bigger picture of how our society, of all of us as individuals, responds to that pandemic. The First Amendment to our Constitution guarantees the following. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech, or the right of the people peaceably to assemble. Powerful words. But no one, since the drafting of that amendment, has ever thought that the rights protected by the First Amendment are absolute. In other words, that those rights come without corresponding responsibilities. Consider an example that we see in our headlines even today, the example of someone who decides to put a Confederate rebel battle flag in their front yard. Do they have a right to do that? Of course. In your yard, you can decorate it however you want to. If you want to have a big rebel flag and get up every morning and sing Dixie to it, you're free to do that. But at the same time, do your neighbors have a right to complain about it? Absolutely. They, too, have a right of free speech. And when you exercise your right of speech in a way that many people find to be offensive or at least annoying, they are going to have an opportunity to respond. And that's something that you accept, a responsibility that you assume when you choose to exercise your right. Put another way, what you, whatever you may have intended subjectively inside your head about honoring your ancestors or just having a rebellious spirit or whatever, by putting a symbol like the Confederate battle flag in your front yard, objectively to the outside world, you've chosen to enter the ongoing national conversation about race, Black Lives Matter, so on and so forth. And by entering that conversation, necessarily, you invite other people to engage in that conversation with you. Your exercise of the right automatically comes with that responsibility, and there is just no way of avoiding it. They are part and parcel of the same thing. They are inextricably interconnected. From there, let's consider the mask, a common part of life today in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. And for some of the thinking in this discussion, I owe a debt to an article July 30th in Forbes, available online, by Ethan Siegel called, You Must Not Do Your Own Research. We're going to apply his thinking and some other uh, thinking I've done to this specific statement about masks as follows. I choose not to wear a mask because I know it doesn't work. And then I cite something that I've read on the internet that criticizes masks. Do you have a right to an opinion? Yes, as with the flag. You have a right to read things and form your own thinking about that. The First Amendment absolutely protects the right inside your own head, your ability to think freely there. But... As with the flag, have you entered into a broader conversation? Yes, you have. Instead of entering a conversation about race that invites people to engage with you about that, involves certain subject matters, you've now entered a conversation about what psychologists call confirmation bias. 
We as humans have in our built-in psychology a number of things that we've brought with us from our ancestors long ago when they were chasing mastodons and living in caves, things that have come forward into our modern society and present challenges to us. Confirmation bias is something we all have where we form a view about something and then when we learn more information about that topic, naturally process it in a, in a way that supports our earlier hypothesis, our earlier thinking. We tend to ignore things that make us question our beliefs, and we tend to accept things that support our beliefs. Science. Science has been built, on the other hand, over decades and centuries of careful work to stand against confirmation bias. And it does so in two ways. It does so with a methodology that is designed to focus on specific hypotheses tested in specific laboratory conditions so that you know exactly what you're thinking about and, again, do not burden yourself with uh, past biases and past analyses. And you keep records of those experiments so that you know in the past what has worked and what has not worked using the scientific method, and you don't repeat past mistakes, another way of avoiding the problem of confirmation bias. In other words, when you say, I do not think that masks work, you are making a scientific statement. You are making a conclusion based on observations you have done that certain things do or do not happen. And unless you are basing that statement on the traditions and the practices of science using a scientific methodology with an eye towards past scientific experiments and uses of that methodology, you're not being a scientist. You've entered a conversation about science without being prepared to engage in it in the same way as the person with the rebel flag in the front yard has entered a conversation about race in a way that's not calculated to produce a good discussion. You are simply not balancing your exercise of your right with your responsibilities about the way you have chosen to exercise it. If you want to be a scientist and exercise that right, with it comes the responsibility to exercise that right in a thoughtful way, consistent with the best principles of science that avoids confirmation bias. And of course, that is no idle thing in today's uh, society. We began this discussion by looking at the words of the First Amendment. Freedom of the press is protected there. And the press today is not just traditional print journalism and television stations, but it's anyone with access to a computer and a reliable internet server. And they can post opinions. Some are very thoughtful. Some are not. And many of those that are not are rife with confirmation bias. And by repeating those and continuing those discussions, you end up perpetuating a discussion that may be interesting to the people engaged in it, but is not scientific and when it interacts with the outside world is not consistent with the principles of good science. Are there other arguments against masks that do not implicate this issue and do not cause you to become a scientist without a proper scientific foundation and background? Yes. And the First Amendment, again, the text of it, lays out some outlines for thinking about that. The First Amendment protects the exercise of religion. It is possible to believe that, for whatever religious reason, the wearing of a mask is inconsistent with something about your spiritual beliefs. 
There's a tradition of that in the thinking of Jehovah's Witnesses and Christian scientists about modern medicine that's led to some litigation about the, the limits of religious freedom, but it is not a scientific argument. By forming a religious belief about something, you may or may not be consistent with the teachings of the church that you belong to, but that is a discussion that is not guided by science, and you don't run into the problems of becoming a scientist without a proper scientific background. The First Amendment also protects the freedom of assembly. And there again, you can form an argument against mask wearing that is not a scientific one. You can simply distrust government regulation. I choose to assemble freely whenever I can without the hand of government being involved. The argument here is one you hear frequently about the fluoridation of water. As a scientific matter, fluoridation of water is an overwhelmingly good thing. It's presented a lot, prevented a lot of tooth decay. There has been no serious question about its positive health benefits, and the scientific literature on it is of one mind. But there is an argument based on ideas of assembly and ideas of the structure of society that letting the government put things in water is a power that it should not have. And that argument, a political science type of argument about the proper, proper boundary between the public and the private spheres, that also is not a scientific argument. And by engaging in it and having a discussion about it, you may or may not be engaging in good political science, but you are not falling victim to the, the person who attempts to be a scientist without using a scientific methodology. My point today is to not say yay or nay to anyone's arguments or points of view on the issue of wearing masks. It is simply to sound a reminder that when words come from your mouth and you think inside your head you are forming a thought from a certain foundation, you may be entering a conversation like the guy with the flag is that involves a broader set of issues, considerations, and customs that you are not aware of, that you are not making effective use of, and as a result, you are not thinking things through as thoroughly and thoughtfully as you should, and perhaps are falling back on fall fallacy ways of thinking such as confirmation bias instead of constructive ideas to move forward our society's response to this terrible pandemic. Today on Coal Mind, we considered the statement, I have the right to decide whether to wear a mask. That statement is true, but it is also incomplete because any statement comes with corresponding responsibilities. Today, we examined how embracing just the right without the responsibilities is not only incomplete, but also potentially misleading. If you choose to conduct yourself as a scientist, making a statement such as, I do not want to wear a mask because masks do not work, you are necessarily choosing to act under the rules and customs of the scientific community. Those are designed to protect against confirmation bias, and you may simply be fooling yourself by acting without considering those practices. I'd like to thank my friends Kent and Michelle Crable for pointing me to the Forbes article that I've discussed earlier in this episode. You can follow this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the other main podcast directories. I appreciate you listening, and I look forward to sharing with you again soon. <music>